Welcome to another edition of ATL Prime Sports. I'm JJ Jurjevich. Joining me this evening is the one, the only TC Todd Quarter and our fabulous producer Wayne Ridenauer in beautiful Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, you can find us all on ATL Prime Sports, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and you can search ATL Prime Sports on Apple and Spotify. Our personal Twitters at JJ Get You One for myself, at RWY Junior for Wayne, and at Quarter Todd for TC Todd Quarter. Wayne, how you doing tonight, buddy? Um, I'm doing pretty good, but not as well as Joey Logano, who after the first race of the uh, NASCAR playoff uh, section of the uh, series, uh, you know, year, uh, he is now leading the point. So that's one race down and uh, what, about 12 more to go or something. So we'll see if he can hang on to that. He's a Ford driver and I always pull for the Ford drivers. Yeah, Logano's had a pretty good NASCAR season. I'm doing well. Not as well as the Braves. Winners of five straight going into Tuesday have cut the lead in the NL East to just one game behind those pesky New York Mets. TC, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing great, but if you watch the Georgia State-South Carolina game on Saturday night, and our guest here broadcasted it, Dave Cohen, special teams, special teams, special teams. Yeah, TC previewed it. That's what's on tap. We have voice of the Georgia State Panthers, Dave Cohen, joining us to talk about that South Carolina matchup. We play the overreaction or not overreaction with college football. Uh, we'll give our one big takeaway as well. We'll give our Super Bowl favorites. And, of course, the pick six is back. And without further ado, let's kick this show off with our guest, voice of the Georgia State Panthers, friend of the show, Dave Cohen, uh, welcome back. And Dave, it was a little bit of Beamer ball on Saturday evening in Columbia. Uh, fake field goal for a first down in the first half. Two blocked kicks for touchdowns. Give us your thoughts on the South Carolina-Georgia State game in Columbia on Saturday evening. You know, you know what thought came to mind on the ride back to Atlanta on I-20 out of Columbia after that ball game? Two block punts in the loss to South Carolina. And it, it made me think that we're three block punts away from possibly posting wins at Auburn. Yeah. And obviously last Saturday night at South Carolina because we were up 14 to 12. Our defense was playing really well. Spencer Rattler got a lot of respect for him. We talked about him last week. That's a guy whose name was thrown around the Heisman Trophy last couple of years good quarterback but he wasn't tearing us up our defense played really well against them as a matter of fact i'll give you some numbers 21 gamecock offensive plays went for zero or less than zero yards against our georgia state defense our defense held south carolina to just 79 yards on the ground and 300 to, uh, 306 total yards for the ball game and our defense allowed 20 points the other 15 came as a result of the two block punts uh and one of those touchdowns again did come as a result of the fake field goal which gave them a first down inside our five or our i think it was inside the five yard line which they you know were ultimately able to convert also their field goal kicker who was a freshman kicked uh 250 plus yard field goals yeah. so give him his credit as well to do that in williams bryce on a saturday night uh, in what I think was his first game as the Gamecocks kicker. But certainly I will say there was an opportunity there, as there was last year at Auburn, to leave the football field with a win. We all know what the win in 2019 at Tennessee meant to our program. It was the first one. And there are not many things in the in the world of, let's say, Georgia State athletics that keep me up at night. But the fact that we could have beaten Auburn and possibly beaten South Carolina, uh, if not for the block punts, only because if you remember last year at Auburn, that game turned and the momentum totally turned on the block punt. They recovered for a touchdown. And the same situation happened the other night in Columbia against the Gamecocks. But another tall order this week with North Carolina coming in as the first Power 5 opponent that Georgia State will host at Center Park Credit Union Stadium. So this is this is a game a lot of people have been looking forward to since it was announced. We played at North Carolina last year, got beat 59-17. to 17. 
and uh, they're going to return the uh, they're going to return the game this Saturday afternoon, 12 noon Eastern time, from Center Park Stadium. Dave, I mentioned it uh, just before we brought you on. Special teams, special teams, special teams, as Keith Jackson would say. Uh, but also another factor in the game, Georgia State just couldn't get it going in the air. I mean, Granger struggled. Um, there's no question about it. Uh, he had 111 yards passing, 7 and 29 for 111 yards and a touchdown and a pick. Uh, you know, had they just had some type of consistent passing game, uh, they ran for 200, uh, what, five yards a carry. Uh, this club could have gone away a winner. Just a lot of ifs in this game, and that has to be frustrating because uh, this was a game that could be had, and they weren't able to take it. Yeah, I was a little, uh, you know, just thinking about it after we got off the air on Saturday night. I don't believe we targeted our tight ends at all that I can remember. I think Chris Bird uh, had one catch on a screen pass, if I remember correctly, but like Aubrey Payne, uh, we didn't. I don't know that we targeted him. I can't remember targeting him once, you know, uh, in the ball game. You know, that would be a question for our coaches. I'm certainly never one to question. They know the game plan better than I do, um, and we've we've all seen it work before. Give South Carolina some credit. Uh, you know, anytime you go in, you guys know this. You don't have to play a perfect game, but you got to play an almost perfect game. You got to avoid penalties. And, you know, you have to really buck up defensively, which we did. And, hey, great night for our cornerback, Quavian White. Two interceptions of Spencer Rattler, two tackles for loss. He sacked Rattler one time, had a pass breakup, and had five tackles overall. Georgia State's defense gave us an opportunity to win that football game. But you're right, we were not able to balance our attack on offense the passing game struggled. We were able to run the ball. Tucker Gregg was never able to get his footing. I think that, uh, you know, South Carolina did a really good job, obviously, getting prepared for us, knowing and seeing what our two top running backs, Tucker Gregg and Jemias Williams, were capable of doing. Jemias, it was a big game for him because he transferred to Georgia State from South Carolina. So, you know, this was a game that maybe more than anybody other than Coach Elliott was looking forward to and uh you know it's just one of those things south carolina did what they had to do special teams yeah i was you know i always tell uh coach elliott you know we never in our in our interviews whether it's the pregame or whatever we never talk about kickers until it's we have to talk about kickers and that's kind of the case this week you know when when how many times in a postgame show do you talk about the punter well, the punting situation. But, you know, it was kind of a recurring theme. I watched a little bit of the Clemson-Georgia Tech game last night. They blocked a couple of punts in that game. Uh, it seems like punters are having a tough opening weekend in college football. And, you know, we Not know that first hand in our times. game. <laughs> I had to punt seven times and he averaged 48 yards a kick. And, as you yeah. know, I was – Punter was most, I hate to interrupt you, was the most valuable player in their win, in their 7-3 win with two, what, a field goal and two safeties on Saturday. Again, special teams, special teams, special teams. Right. Again, you know, we only seem to talk about them when we have to talk about them. And that's got to be right at the top of the list this week, and I wasn't able to make it to practice on Tuesday. Uh, but I'll be out there on Wednesday and Thursday of this week getting ready for North Carolina. And I'm sure that's, you know, look, that's got to be a priority. North Carolina is just as big, just as fast, just as strong, and just as skilled as South Carolina is. I mean, really, look at North Carolina's first two games. They're 2-0 and on the year. And I give Mac Brown, I don't know him personally, but I give them a ton of credit. After playing Florida A&M, when Florida A&M traveled there at the last minute without 20 of their players, and still scored 24 points against the Tar Heels. North Carolina goes on the road and in a shootout beats Appalachian State in Boone 63-61 in a game. If you watched it, the Mountaineers would have, could have, should have won that ball game. And then he's coming down here to play us in Atlanta. He doesn't have to do that. 
They don't have to sign a home and home with Georgia State. They don't have to. They don't have to go on the road to Boone if they don't want to. They're North Carolina, so I'll give them. I'll give Coach Brown credit. He's going on the road and he's playing some two Sun Belt teams back to back. On the road, back to back Saturdays on the road. Yeah, yeah. You're listening well, to Dave Cohen right here on ATL Prime Sports. You can find Dave on Twitter at GA State Voice. All right. Well, uh, Dave, you know, I got a chance to watch the game live because the Memphis uh, Mississippi State game got delayed because of weather and it was a super long delay. And uh, some of the takeaways I took away from uh, watching Georgia State play uh, South Carolina was um, y'all really exposed uh, some of the issues that uh, South Carolina has with their offensive line. I think Rattler was uh, sacked uh, multiple times and uh, I did not realize how much of a light show goes on at that stadium. I mean, there was the ESPN plus takes a lot of shots that are, you know, like the full stadium. And that that is a fantastic light display that they have at that stadium. Uh, so, you know, I enjoyed watching that. Very much a spectacle. Again, you know, I've been there for basketball before uh, with Georgia state. I've been there with baseball once or twice, had never been there for a football game. And uh, again, you know, a Saturday night at Williams Bryce, Coach Elliott had been telling me and telling the team what the atmosphere would be like, uh, you know, coming out of the tunnel in that building. They had a great crowd. It was it was listed as a sellout. I, I don't know that they may have sold every ticket, but not every ticket holding person made it into the facility. They may have stayed out at their tailgate. But, yeah. you know, a great atmosphere for college football. I mean, we'd love to have half of that atmosphere at our home games at Georgia State. Now, now granted, Memphis South, as well. Yeah. <laughs> now, granted, South Carolina has been playing football for how many years? And, you know, this is our 13th, so we're still uh, a work in progress. But, yeah, you know, I had heard about the light show. They installed uh, these new lights, uh, and they were kind of testing them out when yeah. I first got to the stadium, and it was still light out. And yeah. once once it got dark, it was like half the time, you felt like you were at a concert. Yeah, really. <laughs> Between the music and the light show, you know, if you did not look down and see a football field, you might have felt like you were at the at the Colonial Life Arena on campus. Yeah. Uh, and you were at a you were at a show. Yeah, or you expect Gene Simmons to come out of the tunnel at any moment. <laughs> now that would have made my night. <laughs> yeah. That would have been cool. Absolutely. <laughs> Matter of fact, the last time I was in Columbia prior to Saturday night was to see Kiss at the Colonial Life Arena there on the South Carolina campus. Excellent. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, Dave, I want to talk about the uh, college football playoff committee's vote to expand to 12 teams. I'll let TC throw it back to the North Carolina game and give us our listeners a preview. But I wanted to ask you about that. What does this mean for the Sunbelt Conference? Uh, good, bad, the ugly for the 12-team college football playoff. You and I have mentioned it. This is the number we wanted. Looks like we'll get it in 2026, possibly earlier. Your thoughts on that? You know, the minute that announcement came out and I saw it on Twitter, I sent a quick message to Todd and I said, see, we've been talking about this on your podcast, ATL Prime Sports, for the last two years. Maybe a little, maybe a little longer. Um I think it's great to get to 12. I hope that it doesn't become, uh, you know, going back to my treehouse reference, dominated by the power fives, you know, a, a party that's, we all know that's happening, but we didn't, none of us, none of us will get an invitation to, right. but still, I think it's great that they've gone to 12. Uh, will there be some games that, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, are not as competitive as maybe everybody would like. Maybe, but that's true at every that's true in every game that uh that that you you know put out there. Um I just think it's uh I, I think it's a great opportunity just like at the beginning of college basketball season, all three hundred and fifty however many schools know no matter what the likelihood is that they have a shot to make the NCAA tournament and that they have a shot beyond making the NCAA tournament to win games. 
Tell that to George Mason. Tell it to Virginia Commonwealth. Tell it to Wichita State. Tell it to Butler. Tell it to Loyola Chicago. Um, and Gonzaga. I know people, Gonzaga. You know, there's some people that think Gonzaga is not really even a mid-major anymore. Oh, they're still a mid-major until they win it. Well, I, I'm 50-50 on it, yeah. Um, I disagree with that. <clears throat> but the point is, in football, it's a party with very few invitations being sent out to the member schools. And we all know the reasons why. Four, to me, was not enough because it ends up being the same eight to ten teams mentioned every year. And at least this opens it up a little bit. It opens it up for schools like what we saw from Cincinnati last year to be more likely to see that. The year the University of Central Florida ran the table in their league. Uh, go back to the Boise State years where you know they were making a lot of noise. I just think it's a good idea to open things up a little bit. Listen, I've said this for many for a number of years since we started football and we were you know, even in back in the Colonial Athletic Association days and our independent days, and even when I was at Furman, FCS manages to put on a 2014 playoff and crown a true national champion. 1A football, FBS football can do it too. They may not do it with 24 teams, but now it looks like eventually they will do it with 12 and at least give uh, – one or two group of five programs who really play above and beyond an opportunity to get an invitation and join the party. So at the end of the day, it's all good. Maybe even, maybe even, maybe even have a deal where it's, where it's 11 teams and then maybe have a wild card thing for the last spot or something. Well, you know, I've said it on your show before. I felt like with the 10 conferences, the conference champions should each get a bid, and then there'd be two wild cards to get you to 12. But you know that would raise a ruckus because <laughs> it wouldn't work out. There, there would be some schools who would be ranked in the top 10 who would not be a part of the... the right. Uh, but take so, a formula that would work if we had a 16-team playoff, and I think that's coming right after, very shortly after the 12-team and that could solve the problem, all of it, because not only you'll get every, you could get every conference champ in it, you also could get six wild cards, and that would be tremendous for college football um, there. But we don't have much time left. I want to ask you one last question uh, regarding the North Carolina-Georgia State game. You know, Mac Brown, he coached at Appalachian State uh, back in, I think it was 83. So he's got he has some history at App State, and now, like you said, playing two Sun Belt teams, quite a career for Mac Brown. And you know he he's done his teams have been have been pretty good in special teams throughout his career in North Carolina and Texas. We talked about it early in, earlier in the podcast. Georgia State has to shore up its special teams to have a chance because this North Carolina team can be had, like you said earlier, they had trouble with Florida A&M. And they had and they had trouble last week with App State. This is a this is a winnable game based on what we've seen so far. What do they have to do to win it besides shore up the special teams? Well, in the prep work that I've done to this point, let me give you some numbers here. So they beat Florida A and M fifty six twenty four, and they scored sixty three in a sixty three sixty one win at Appalachian State. So. North Carolina's offense has scored 119 points in two games. Their defense has given up 85 in two games, which makes me feel really good because I know uh, from a quarterback standpoint and a running game standpoint, if we play the way we are capable of playing and the way we played down the stretch last season and winning seven of our final eight ball games, we can certainly make this interesting. Uh, that quarterback for North Carolina, Darren May, is – counted for five touchdowns in the Appalachian State uh, ball game, four of them through the air, uh, one of them on the ground. Uh, he passed for 352 and rushed for 76. He is the straw that stirs the drink, and defensively we're going to have to focus, uh, again like we did on Spencer Rattler, maybe even more so uh, on this more of a dual threat quarterback uh, for North Carolina, again in Drake May. So. Could be interesting. Uh, 
again, it was 59. The only, the only thing we have to go on is that last year we played them. Granted, some of the players were different, but we lost 59-17. to 17. And uh, the same old things always tend to pop up. Got to get off to a good start. Uh, Got to limit any sort of turnovers. Uh, Got to limit penalties, no silly penalties that stall drives and end drives unnecessarily. Uh, our quarterback has to have a much better game offensively in the air uh, than he did at South Carolina, and I know he's very capable of doing that. Great kid, been a great uh, you know, uh, player in the Georgia State program and system. Hopefully, Tucker Gregg can get back to running the football the way we know he can uh, run it. And if our defense plays as well as they played last Saturday night at South Carolina, we could be talking yeah. about something pretty interesting the next time we join this podcast. Yep. I think it can happen, Dave. I mentioned Spencer Rattler's due to throw a couple picks. He usually does that. He did it. Take advantage of it. Uh, take advantage of what the offense gives you because I think you'll get a couple turnovers again. I think Greg will get going. I think the Panthers have a pretty good shot. Uh, folks, uh, this is Dave Cohen on ATL Prime Sports. You can find him at GA State Voice. Dave, tell our listeners how they can catch the game on Saturday and how they can follow the Panther Insider podcast. Well, the radio guys never mention national television, so I won't. Uh, but our yeah. radio will be on our 50,000-watt FM in Atlanta, uh, WRAS at 88.5 FM on the dial. Uh, that's also streaming via the TuneIn radio app. Uh, our AMFM in Gainesville, Georgia at 97.5, also available on the TuneIn radio app. And then we have a new addition to our radio network this year out of Savannah, Georgia, lowcountryradio.com. And if you go to their website, all you got to do is click listen live, and the Georgia State Football Radio Network will be there for your listening pleasure as we'll tune in radio app. So. Yeah, I think that Low Country Radio is on the TuneIn app, too, because I think that's one of the ones I've got uh, as a favorite on there. Yeah, we'll be on the air at 11. This is going to be Breakfast with the Panthers. It's a noon kickoff, 11.30 a.m. airtime uh, with our countdown to kickoff Panther <laughs> pregame show. Well, Dave, we'll be looking forward to it. Go Panthers, and we'll catch you next week, hopefully with the Panthers' victory. That would be nice. I appreciate it. It's always good to be on talking right. with you guys. Always, Dave Cohen, voice of the Georgia State Panthers. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, hey, JJ. Um, can I? You, you know, now that this this is really a great thing uh, for Georgia State University to have North Carolina come in, uh, especially with a coaching pedigree uh, of Mac Brown. You know, we we just touched on it. I mean, he's won, what, 200, almost 270 games in his career. Uh, he's won a national championship in Texas. Uh, several uh, times he won the Big 12 South. He won the Big 12 a couple of times, inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame. This is his second stint at North Carolina. I'm just hoping that Georgia State gets a good crown down there for Saturday because they're in for a treat. Uh, this is a Hall of Fame coach. His teams are all well prepared. Uh, but this is a game we mentioned. Georgia State has a chance, but they've got to clean up the mistakes and especially, obviously, on the special teams and get the passing game going. Yeah, it can happen. Uh, Granger, Greg, Williams, that's going to have to be the combination. Granger's going to have to complete some open passes, maybe one downfield to open up the defense for Greg and Williams to run through the tackles and control the clock, penalties. And if you just play sound football, you'll have a chance against these Tar Heels. Let's keep it up with college football with the first two weeks now. Remember week zero and week one of college football complete. Let's play overreaction or not an overreaction. Uh, I'll give the topic, and then afterwards we'll give our biggest takeaways uh, after the overreaction game. Overreaction or not, Clemson is still a college football playoff contender. TC, tee it off, buddy. It's just too soon to tell. We put it on uh, ATL Prime Sports today and had some uh, folks comment on it. Uh, honestly, their defense is really good when you, when you talk Clemson football. 
uh, the first thing you talk is their front four, and then after that, you know, the, the three linebackers, so basically their front seven is really good, and they have good players in the secondary, too. They're, they're well coached. Uh, you know, Brent Venables was there for years until taking the Oklahoma job this year. And But to me, for, for, for Clemson, is they've got to get that running game going and help out the quarterback. Uh, they've got to become more explosive offensively. Um, can they win the ACC? Uh, I mean, who knows at this point? Look what Florida State's done. Uh, what they did last week at LSU in a miraculous comeback. I mean, the conference could be up for grabs. they got to play Notre Dame. Um, to me, it's just too early to tell. So you're you're thinking it's uh, uh, not an overreaction. You think it's still possible. I, I don't think it's an overreaction at all. I think Cle- Cle- Clemson is a college football playoff contender. Georgia Tech's a viable team, an ACC opponent, who almost, remember, it was 14-8 to eight last year, and Georgia Tech was a touchdown and an extra point away from beating Clemson in week two of last year as well. So Georgia Tech seems to always play Clemson tough. A couple coaching uh, mistakes, in my opinion, by uh, Jeff Collins uh, cost maybe a closer game, but Clemson took care of business. This is not an overreaction at all. Clemson has a... Uh, semi-easy schedule. If they beat Notre Dame and they finish the season unbeaten, they will be in the college football playoff. 41 to 10 win over Georgia Tech gets that ball rolling. You mentioned the run game. I think Will Shipley will get that thing going. I think the offensive line's experienced enough now. The real key to me is if this uh, backup quarterback, Cade uh, Klubak, comes in in the middle of the season for DJ Uwe who seemed to struggle at the beginning of the game, but then made an amazing play on a third down uh, where you thought Georgia Tech was about to get back in the ball game. He said, no, sir, and uh, about to get sacked, flips it to his running back, Will Shipley, who gets a first down. Eventually, they go in to score a touchdown that makes it 24 to 10 and uh, or 20 to 10 off a field goal, excuse me, and it kind of kind of put their lead out of touch. So, no, I don't think this is an overreaction. Wayne, what about you? you? Can I say something for a second? Look, the reason I say it's too early to tell is that the first week, you know, the teams improve the most between week one and week two, and it is an opening game. You mentioned they had trouble with Tech last year. Tech is a bottom-tier ACC team, and they expect to be again this year. But, I mean, it, to me, it's just too soon after week one. Let's see how Clemson progresses. Defensively, they're there. If they get there offensively, they can be in the college football playoff. But right now, it's only week one. A lot of things can happen. Injuries. I, I, you know, we just got to sit back and let, let, as Nick Saban would say, let the games and the process play out. Sure. Well, we're we're having fun, Wayne. Overreaction or not overreaction, Clemson is still a college football playoff contender. Uh, I would say not yet. Uh, I want to see how they do against Wake Forest at Wake Forest. Uh, Then I'll know better. Yeah, Sam Hartman's back after what we now found out was a blood clot issue. Uh, That means that Wake Forest-Vanderbilt game this weekend is probably going to be a bigger point spread. So I hope you jumped on it on Monday. All right, and second, overreaction or not, the Pac-12 is already out of the college football playoff. I'll tee this one off. That is an overreaction. Just because your two preseason top teams lose doesn't mean that Oregon or even Utah could finish right there at 10-2, 11-1, however they split that game at the end of the year. That is a huge overreaction. Then you look what USC did to Rice. Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley look like they're on the Oklahoma page of last year where they started tearing off some wins at the end of last season. So, yeah, that's a huge overreaction for me. The Pac-12 could play their way back into the college football playoff race. That is a huge, huge overreaction. I don't know why the mainstream media is already counting out the Pac-12. It's pretty ridiculous. TC, your your take on that? Overreaction or not, the Pac-12 is out. I agree 100%, my friend. I mean, this is absolutely ludicrous. I mean, ludicrous. Southern Cal, 
they look good. Of course, they played Rice. We'll see how they play against Stanford this week. Um, you mentioned you mentioned Utah. They may not lose another game. Uh, you know, the heat and humidity was the difference between Utah and Florida. We we predicted it last week here on ATL Prime Sports that Florida would just cover or just pull it out, and it happened. And the heat and humidity played a huge factor in the fourth quarter. Of course, the turnover forcing the ball in a triple, you know, triple coverage uh, did the Utah quarterback and ended up losing the game. And then, and then you mentioned um, Oregon. Oregon may not lose another game. I mean, Georgia, to me, looked like the best team in the country. And Stetson Bennett, we knew he was good. But, wow, he may be the most improved player in the country when you look at his last um, uh, three football games compared, you know, the two playoff games and then this first game, these last three games, he's really been outstanding. He was outstanding in Michigan, Alabama, and now Oregon, all top teams in his country. And this kid is, is playing himself into the Heisman race, and he's the leader after week one. I know I went off in a, a tangent there. But, um, sure, these teams are in it. Every conference has an opportunity. And, 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 and like I'll say it again, injuries. Injuries are always a factor. And it's not only who you play, but when you play them and if they're healthy or not. Wayne, I'll let you answer this one. Overreaction or not, the Pac-12 is out of the college football playoff race. Yeah, that's an overreaction. And, in fact, I would say Washington is going to be the team that's going to win the Pac-12. Hey, you called it. You said, you said they could. All right, guys, we'll move on to our final overreaction. Or, uh, excuse me, we, we have two more. I got jumped the gun there again. We are uh, uh, overreaction or not, we are set for another Alabama Georgia or Georgia Alabama championship game. Wayne, I'll let you tee this one off. Is that an overreaction or not an overreaction? Yeah, that, I I don't like the idea of Georgia and Alabama being in the uh, championship game. Uh, in fact, in fact, I I wish there was some way that the SEC could move Alabama and Georgia to a different conference. <laughs> you know, just send them to the Pac-12, send them to the mid MAC. Uh, Boost their you know. numbers a little bit. You're saying? Yeah, well, yeah, because uh, <laughs> I, as an Auburn fan, I would like a little bit more of a chance to. Uh, you know, win some games. <laughs> TC, your thought. Overreaction or not, we are heading for a Georgia-Alabama championship game. Well, after week one, it's it's looking possible. Is it probable? Who knows? I'm going to go back to my same statement again. I mean, here's the deal. Alabama plays not only in, and Georgia does too. Georgia and Alabama play in the toughest conference in the country. Alabama plays in the toughest division of the country. So for them to go undefeated against all these schools, the odds are against them. Then say Georgia, uh, you know, they run the table, and they have, and Alabama has one loss, and then Alabama beats Georgia. Then let's say the Big Ten champ, the ACC champ, and a Big 12 champ are undefeated. Then there goes one of them right there out of the playoff because I don't think they'll get in. With one one of those teams would get, you know, the, the loser of the championship game would not get in if three other teams had undefeated members. Somebody's going to be left out. So, you know, I, I know it's the SEC's birthright to get two teams in there, and I mentioned this. On uh, you know on the ATL Prime Sports and my Twitter at C O R D E R Todd that there are certain scenarios out there where they could definitely not make it. But do I think they're the best two teams in the country right now? Yes. Are there chances they are they could make it? Yes. But there's a long, long, long way to go. And again, I, I'm beating this dead horse. Starting quarterbacks get hurt for either team. Then you have questions. I don't think it's an overreaction at all. I think Georgia and Alabama prove why they're number one and number two. You could flip-flop them. Personally, I think Georgia proved themselves a little bit better than Alabama did against a – Alabama 55 to nothing against an 11-win Utah State team last year. Georgia 49-3 to against a ranked Oregon team who played in the Pac-12 championship last year. So, 
I, I don't. I think they're head and shoulders above everybody else right now. I don't see Ohio State competing with the way they played against. Now, again, folks, this is reactions after week one. TC made a great point. Injuries could play a role in this. Uh, tr- uh, may- maybe uh, a surprise team. Maybe Tennessee is the real deal finally and makes Georgia's schedule a little bit tougher there at the end in November. But right now, I don't think it's an overreaction at all. I think Georgia and Alabama are head and shoulders above everybody else. I think Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are above everybody else's coaches right now. I think the only one in the ballpark is Ryan Day. And again, they struggled against Notre Dame as 17.5-point favorites. That doesn't matter much, but we all on this show predicted that Ohio State would, uh, except for Wayne, but... TC and I both predicted that Ohio State would roll, and they did not. So I don't think that's an overreaction. Here is our final overreaction or not an overreaction. Ohio State wins the Big Ten. I don't think that's an overreaction at all. Um, uh, Michigan's there, but the other division in the Big Ten doesn't look as good. Wisconsin might get that thing. Like I said, Minnesota was my kind of out there pick on that division, but I, I think Ohio State will win the Big Ten again. I think C.J. Stroud, uh, Henderson, and Jigba, who did get hurt week one, looks like he'll be okay. Just got to nurse it throughout the year. Hopefully that doesn't become lagging uh, or uh, nagging injury there, but I do think Ohio State is your Big Ten champion. Wayne, TC, I'll let you guys uh, go, go uh, whichever way you want to go. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll go ahead and go, but uh, I think it's an overreaction. I get the feeling that the Big Ten is uh, one of the more volatile conferences, and that's uh, that's why I can't say for sure that Ohio State wins. Well, it's interesting you you use the word volatile. I mean, the SEC is is volatile too, especially that Western division. It's no, I just don't think Alabama's going through. They're undefeated. There's just too many obstacles in the way in terms of Ohio State. Look. They have some games on the schedule that are going to give them problems. Uh, Wisconsin at home, they should win it. But Wisconsin, last time they played at Ohio State, they gave Ohio State a good one. At Michigan State, now, uh, the Spartans, look, they're they're a team that always starts out slow, don't look great early on in the season. And as they get better, um, you know, I know Ohio State blew them out a year ago, but you know, Michigan State's one of those teams that they play extremely well at home. Ask Michigan, and there's a chance for a potential upset there. I'm not going to say it's going to happen. They go to Penn State on a whiteout. You can bet that's going to be a night game. And then, of course, the you know the game with a team up north, as they say there at Ohio State, Michigan at the end of the year. And Michigan turned the tide last year and won it. And sometimes when you look at the history of this rivalry, once the team has won it once and turned the tide, they seem to beat them in a few years ago before they roll before they turn it back. So there's no guarantees that Ohio State wins the Big Ten. Something happens to their starting quarterback. You know, they already had injuries in game one. The wide receiver, the star wide receiver for the Buckeyes got hurt. So... Uh, it, nothing is a slam dunk for Ohio State. Are they the favorite? Yes. Am I picking them to win it? Yes. But to say no, th- there's a long way to go. There is a long way to go. Well, after our overreaction or not, let's do. Let's give our one big takeaway from the college football weekend. TC, take it away, man. Oh uh, well, I mentioned it earlier about Stetson Bennett, so I- I've already done that one. I think the best story of the college football season currently right now is Florida State. Mike Norville got his biggest win at Florida State, winning at Louisiana State on Saturday. And and the way they won it, here's that Keith Jackson word again, special teams, special teams, special teams. Well, they blocked a field goal, and they turn around after giving up the tying touchdown. They blocked the extra point and hit the crossbar, and they got the win, and they're 2-0. And all of a sudden now, people are mentioning Florida State. Well, maybe they got a chance here in the ACC um, against Clemson. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But I'll tell you a good story is Jordan Travis, the quarterback at Florida State, if this offensive line continues to prove and prove in Florida State and they can run the ball and give this kid a 
some time and a chance to, to do things offensively, Florida State is going to be a dangerous out in the ACC. And they get, and I believe they get Clemson at home this year, but I'm not 100% certain with that. Wayne, what's your biggest takeaway from college football week zero and week one? Well, I would say that the uh, Gator fans are absolutely back because I understand that they uh, abs- uh, they overattended that uh, swamp. And uh, if I recall correctly, I think there was a few times during the broadcast you could see people in, uh, you know, uh, lawn chairs uh, sitting over in the end zone enjoying the game. Hey, yeah, hey, the, hey, the Florida Gators. Go ahead, Todd. Sorry, AJ, I was just going to tell you, Florida State does get Clemson at home in mid-October. It's going to be, you know, the ACC could be a really exciting race. My biggest takeaway from the weekend is also I'm going to Gainesville, and it's got to be quarterback Anthony Richardson. Uh, 17-24, 168 yards, average seven yards attempt. 11 carries, 106 yards on the ground. Three touchdowns was the difference maker in that game. Dan Mullen had an ace in his back pocket and did not use it. That is my biggest takeaway from the college football weekend. It is NFL week one. Let's talk about our favorites going in. Uh, Let's talk about our Super Bowl contenders going to the NFL season. Todd, I'm anxious to hear what you have to say on this. Take it away. Give us uh, your three or four favorites in each league. I mean, obviously the Rams, they brought everybody back. So they're the champs until you knock them out. They're the favorite. Uh, You've got the 49ers on the division. Jimmy G's back. Uh, Whether he's going to be, he's going to be the backup right now, but he could end up being the starter. San Francisco has one of the top defenses in the NFL. Uh, Those are two colossal contenders right there. Obviously, Tampa Bay with a GOAT. This could be Tom Brady's last season. Of course, that's been said for a while now. Uh, You know, the Buccaneers did lose their left tackle, so they'll have to make adjustments on the offensive line. But, you know, with the GOAT, they're going to be there. Of course, the media was all over him when he was missing days in training camp. But you know what? He's back, and he was throwing darts, and he's ready to go. And that game against Dallas, which which is coming up, will be a dandy. Speaking of Dallas... They're, a con- they're in Dallas and Philadelphia. They're contenders. I don't think they're top teams in a conference. I think there are four of them, and my fourth one would be Green Bay in no particular order because um, I've got the Packers actually getting over the hump and getting to the Super Bowl this year because their defense is, uh, is, is going to be spectacular. Uh, they went heavy defense in the draft. They're going to be able to run the football and, and not rely so much on Aaron Rodgers' arm. So I named the top four contenders, Frisco, the Rams, Tampa Bay, and, and, and Green Bay, and then right behind them would be Philadelphia and Dallas. And I've got Green Bay getting to the Super Bowl. The AFC, real quick, you top four, Buffalo, Kansas City. Um, gosh, you know, this is harder if you ask me. You've got Baltimore in there, Cincinnati in there. And then Kansas City's division, the West, between the Raiders, the Chargers, and, and there's just uh, the Colts could be. I mean, to me, the, the AFC is, is a little more there's – little, there's more contenders in the AFC than there is the NFC. I don't know who makes it out of the AFC at all. I, I'm actually going to go with, with – with, um, you know what? Stafford did it last year. Could Matt Ryan and the Colts do it this year? They have the personnel. And you know what? It would be the Falcons' luck that Matt Ryan goes to the Super Bowl and wins it after they give him up. But I, I don't know. I, everybody says it's Buffalo's turn. I just don't know who's coming out of that in the AFC. I think it's really wide open. But I've got Green Bay in the NFC, and I'll leave it there. Uh, I, I like the AFC. Uh, I think it's pretty chalk, if you ask me. I think Josh Allen's an MVP candidate for a reason. I think Stefan Diggs is going to have a career-type year. Have uh, Davis on the outside to join him. Then you have James Cook from UGA, rookie running back, could make some uh, ways. 
out of the backfield catching the ball is Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, a triple running back threat. I really think the Buffalo Bills offense gets going early. Um, may have already prefaced a pick six pick there, but I like the Bills a lot in the AFC. I think it's very simple there. Bills, uh, I like the Chiefs. Really, I, I said anybody in the AFC West, whether it's Denver, whether it's uh, the Chargers, whether it's the Raiders, or uh, the, uh, the, the uh, Chiefs. Um, so wide open, J.J., teams, I mean, think about any it. Any one of those teams could win the division. Uh, right. They all have great quarterbacks. Derek Carr, yep. uh, Russell Wilson now, Herbert out there, and uh, Patrick Mahomes, who's an MVP and a Super Bowl champion. So I think all four of those teams you could insert there. But above all, in the AFC, I like the Buffalo Bills. I think they get back. And those fans deserve a Super Bowl after losing four in a row. I just watched that documentary the other day. Heartbreaking documentary, especially how they lost a couple of those games. Um, on the other side, I really like the Packers too. And I'll tell you why. They got Eric Stokes from Georgia. They drafted Quay Walker from Georgia. They drafted Devontae Wyatt from Georgia. They got some down south dirty Georgia boys on that defense. And I think they get after it this year. They may very well get over the hump. That's my number three team. Number two, got to go with the Rams. They're the defending Super Bowl champs. They do have Stafford, Cooper Cup. They have Henderson. They have Cam Akers as running backs. And they got a vaunted great defense uh, led again by uh, Aaron Donald, who I think is still one of the best players in the NFL. Uh, your Bucks are going to be there. Saints have a, an outside shot at this thing. I think if Jameis Winston stays healthy, he showed spurts last year where I think the Saints could make a lot of noise. They have Alvin Kamara. They got Michael Thomas. They drafted a wide receiver in Chris Olave, who I think could really make way for the rookie of the year in the NFC. So there's a lot of teams out there. It's wide open. Uh, but I'm a Rams-Bucks guy in the NFC. I'm a Bills uh, give me someone in the AFC West, whoever wins that division, I'll take it. In the Go ahead. We never mentioned Tennessee. We, you know, with Derrick Henry yeah. that run. Derrick Henry, defense. Tannehill, uh, yeah. Robert Woods outside. They lost A.J. Brown to Philadelphia. Philadelphia is another dark horse candidate. The Cowboys are good. Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard. Uh, that offensive line we know can open up holes. Uh Michael Parsons on the defense, Trayvon Diggs, Stefan Diggs' brother as a cornerback, is a ball-hawking machine who also likes to take the ball back to the house. The Cowboys could be in there. This is a very wide-open NFL season. You mentioned the Colts. I do like the Colts in the AFC. Matt Ryan has an offensive line that can protect him. He's got the running game, and he's got great wide receivers, especially Michael Pittman, who I think will really help him out and turn back his career, kind of like when he had Julio Jones. And that's why, again, I go back to the Bucks. It's Julio Jones replacing Antonio Brown, replacing whoever they need to place. You have Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, um, Connor Bright, great tight ends. They are down two offensive linemen. Um, it's just wide open. And, and, and honestly, if I had to pick two teams right now, I'd probably go – uh, if, if I'm picking four, I, I, like I said, give, give me whoever's coming out of the AFC West and the Bills, and I'll go Rams and Bucks. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, there are probably 12 teams that have a chance to win it all. I mean, it can just, the turnover in the league, J.J., is incredible every year. There's always somebody that comes out of nowhere two or three teams that didn't make the playoffs that makes it the next year, and the teams that did make it, they're out. Who's this year's Cincinnati? We might get that. I mean, the Bengals went from four wins. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Cincinnati could be back. Huh? Cincinnati could be back. We didn't even mention them. Yeah, so, we did. Earlier. Uh, but, uh, guys, let's go ahead. Uh, we're running out of time. Let's get to the pick six. We all would have won you money last week. TC with the sweet five and one to start the year. Wayne, you and I, four and two. We'll take the money every week. So 
Uh, we're very close. I think that's better. Uh, it's probably a better week than we did all year last year. Let's go ahead and get into it. Three college, three pros, our pick six, picked with Monday's spreads, folks. So number 24, Tennessee, 1-0, travels to Pittsburgh, number 17. They're also 1-0. Tennessee's a seven-point favorite. The over-under is 65-and-a-half. 3.30 p.m. Saturday, T.C. Wayne, then me on this one. Well, I, I'm going to stick with a formula. And what was that formula? S Everybody say it at once. Stick with the SEC. I'm going Tennessee to cover just enough, and I think their defensive line will make the difference. Yeah, I'm taking Tennessee to cover. Tennessee covers. Well, we all got UT covering because – SEC, SEC, SEC. But here's my real take. Uh, Hendon Hooker will have a great game, and wide receiver Brew McCoy will have a breakout game. Our second game of the evening, Kentucky coming in ranked at number 20. 1-0 on the road at the Swamp. Number 12, Gators. 1-0 there as well. Florida's four-and-a-half-point favorites. Over-under in that one's 52. Saturday night in the Swamp. I'll tee this one off, guys. I'll have some fun with it. Can UK win without all SDC running back Chris Rodriguez and their, one of their better linebackers in Jordan Wright? Give me the Gators. Anthony Richardson, 15, will run all over this defense. Gators cover. Is it me? I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll go with my formula. Stick with the SEC. Oh, wait a minute. Two SEC teams are playing. I'll take the one that's at home that came up with a miraculous win against Utah. Give me the Gators. Yeah. Well, as far as I'm concerned, Kentucky is a basketball school. Bring your lawn chairs. I'm taking Florida to cover. <laughs> that's, that's classic. Our third and final college game is arguably the most anticipated of the weekend. Number nine, Baylor, 1-0 at number 21, BYU. Also at 1-0, BYU, the home three-and-a-half-point three point favorites. Over-under in that one's 53, Saturday night in Provo. T.C. Wayne, myself on this one. No, oh, man, I want to go last. All right, I'll go first again. Look, this is the <laughs> second of a home-and-home. Home. Baylor upset BYU last year. This could be the last time they play as out-of-conference opponents. BYU returned all 11 on defense, and I think that's the key right there. Also, I think running back uh, Christopher Brooks will be able to run the ball behind the BYU O-line. That's right. I'm taking the BYU Cougars to come at home over the Baylor Bears. Yeah, well, I'm I'm taking Baylor in the points, and I don't even think they need the points. I think it's they're going to win by ten or more points. I like it. Oh, you know what? You know what? I can't do with a stick with the SEC on this one. Dang, Nabbit. Um, this is a real tough game. You know, Baylor is built on D, but they're going to BYU in that atmosphere. I like BYU to win just. Enough to cover. They win by four. Uh, you know, up there playing in that altitude, that makes a difference. I like BYU, but just barely. All right, guys, that brings us to our NFL Thursday night football. Bills, Rams could be a Super Bowl preview. Buffalo's two and a half point favorites on the West Coast. Over under, and that one's 53. That again is Thursday night football. I'm going last on this one. You guys tee it off. I don't care who. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and go first on this one. And um, I've got a feeling Buffalo's going to beat the Super Bowl champs. No, Buffalo covers. It's a good thing that's not your day job. Uh, I'm going, so Buffalo's a two-and-a-half-point favorite? Yeah, on the road. Huh? On the road, they're two-and-a-half-point favorites. Give me Matt Stafford and the Rams. Give me the Rams and that defense. No, the Rams. Thank you. 
I like the Bucks to uh, I, I like the the Bills. I do. I told you they're they're my preseason Super Bowl favorite. Uh, Josh Allen's a MVP candidate. I mentioned why I think they come across country defense travels. Von Miller's playing his former team. <laughs> That'll be fun. Give me the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Our second game. <laughs> I need one of those predictions from you, buddy. Saints at Falcons. New Orleans, a road five and a half point favorite. The Vegas experts are saying an over-under of 42 and a half. That's probably the lowest over-under I've seen for an NFL game in about two seasons. Wow. Sunday at 1 p.m. This is a dud matchup for a dud program. But give me the Falcons. Falcons line, lone bright spots, the cornerbacks. The defensive backs get a timely pick six. Welcome to Atlanta, New Orleans. You're going home with an L. Give me Atlanta to come out on top with an upset win. One of their few wins of the year, Atlanta wins at home. Yeah, I'm Go taking ahead, the Falcons. I'm taking the Falcons as well. Those guys out in the desert are breathing too much sand. Uh, Falcons in the points, and I'm not even sure they'll need the points. You know what? You guys are H-O-M-E-R-S. I will give you one point, J.J. Mr. 30 interceptions could definitely throw a few, and Atlanta could win it. But when I look at each team's roster, there is too much T-A-L-E-N-T. And the Saints will have just as many fans as the Falcons will in the Dome. Probably more. Give me the Saints Probably more. Huh? Probably more Saints fans than Falcons fans right now. Let's be honest. Give me New Orleans. They win the game, and you homers will regret your pick. Next. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, final game of the pick six. It's been a great show. Thanks for listening. If you like the content, give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Again, Apple, Spotify. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at ATL Prime Sports. It's the Buccaneers at Cowboys. Sunday night football. Tampa Bay is a one and a half point road favorite. Lots of road favorites on the NFL this weekend. Over under of 50 in that one. Again, Sunday night football. I'll tee this one off. Look, I think Zeke has a bounce back year. I think Dak Prescott shows why he got the big bucks. They're, uh, Tom Brady's down two linemen. I think Micah, Parsa, Micah Parsons gets after Tom Brady. Cowboys win. Cowboys win. Wayne, TC, what say you? Well, I'm taking the Cowboys as well. Uh, I can't wait to see the Cowboys, uh, you know, they don't even really need the points. And uh, I'm looking forward to see Tom Brady pouting and complaining about the game afterwards. <laughs> oh, you interdivision Falcons homer. Oh, no way. What are the Cowboys? What do they call them? An accident waiting to happen. I hated to use that, but they, you know what? They just are in big games. Give me TB12 on the road to win it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening, folks. That completes our pick six. Final thoughts on the evening. I'm going to go simple. Hey, guys, enjoy the opening weekend of the NFL. Wayne, what's your final thought of the show, buddy? Well, I just want to thank the two of you for not mentioning uh, Memphis's stumble down in Starkville. That was a terrible game, and uh, I look forward to seeing uh, Memphis uh, redeem themselves and beat Navy this weekend. I tell you what, you, you, you know, we talked about quarterback play with, with the kid from Florida State. But another quarterback who amazes me, he's a sixth, uh, sixth year senior, 24 years old. Uh, the kid from Penn State, what a quarterback he is. Uh, you know, what a tremendous drive he had against uh, uh, Purdue. And that is uh, Clifford uh, from PSU. He came up with his, instead of, you know, trying to figure out ways to make NIL money, he came up with his, in his own company. And Sean Clifford was really tremendous against Purdue. That game-winning drive was masterful. And if Penn State had any type of running game to keep defenses honest, this Sean Clifford, if you put him on, on, on Georgia, he would win. He could win it all. He's a championship quarterback. 
and one hell of a football player. And, and for Penn State's sake, they keep this kid healthy this season because he's a the senior from Cincinnati is a really good football player, and he showed it last Thursday night with a game-winning drive at Purdue. He was magnificent. Well, folks, that is it for ATL Prime Sports. We'll be back next week talking with Dave Cohen and possibly other guests. For Wayne, for TC, I'm JJ. Thanks for listening. See you later. Get your one.